Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. After leading the popular Water Street project in Tampa Bay, Gateway Jack CEO Brian Mall and his team are focused on duplicating their success in Jacksonville. JBJ Editor-in-Chief Tim Gibbons gets an update. Thank you so much for joining me on Florida Business Minds today. A lot of exciting things that you have going on in Jacksonville. We've talked about those and we obviously talk about Gateway Jacks in this, but I kind of want to talk about your career and what you've learned and everything that you bring to this project. So some of our listeners will know you from the Water Street project in Tampa, which was transformational there. And now you're leading the Gateway Jacks project, which is looking to be transformational here. What started you down a path that you are leading projects that uh, could be transformational in two different cities? I have known that I wanted to do something with large scale design and or developments since a young age. I was about seven, I think, when I, I first started drawing cities on pieces of paper for fun. That later transpired into SimCity, which I was glued to for years growing up. And then um, I ended up going to the University of Colorado for urban planning and got a, a minor in from the business school in real estate. And it was sort of through that that I realized that I wanted to do something that had to do with development. Through a series of events, I ended up in Washington, D.C., started working for a consulting company there called RCL Co. I traveled all over the nation doing consulting work for real estate developers. And it was through that that I realized I wanted to do urban mixed-use projects. Started with a company called JBG. At the time, it was a, a private company called the JBG Companies. It was also a private equity real estate development company. So very similar to what we're doing in Jacksonville. And I was with them for about 10 years, started as an analyst and uh, grew to be a principal and a part owner. And that was really a pretty amazing experience for me, just throughout multiple projects, started with a couple of smaller scale projects as an analyst, and then worked my way up to where we were doing those large scale transformative, you know, grocery anchored projects in downtown Washington, D.C., and those were in areas in downtown that, again, had years of underinvestment. And we had consolidated lots of real estate and were able to leverage that scale to build these large scale transformative projects there. I had a coworker in DC uh, named James Nozar, who became the CEO of SPP in Tampa. And he, uh, in 2015, he had taken the job in early 2015. And shortly thereafter, he started. Um, calling me to, to convince me to move down to Tampa. So we stayed in touch and um, and I happened to get married and we started talking in 2015 and and uh, I was engaged and in 2016 was about to get married and with my husband decided we would, we'd move down to Tampa and Florida and, and uh, try it out. So that really was the opportunity of a lifetime to be able to come, come down to Tampa and do what we did there at Water Street. And really, and you know, similar to, again, similar to Jacksonville, I really view both of my experiences prior to Jacksonville as reasons why I think this is a great fit uh, for me and good for the company and what we're doing. Through Tampa, we really, you know, working with our capital partners there, Jeff Finnick and Cascade Investment, came up with what we're doing in Jacksonville, which is this very thoughtful data-based and research-based project that is rooted in the fundamentals of the market and what we think will ultimately 
work well and provide a good return for our investors. It's interesting how those things blend. The urban planning side is what has you look at, in Jacksonville's case, blocks that might not naturally, you have to look at a vacant parking lot and a parking garage and you know you have to envision what's going to be there and the analyst side is okay here's how we can make it work it's funny how the you need to blend those things to create a project like this yeah absolutely and and every project's different for sure there you know you've got challenges on every project but you also have really great attributes about every location every project and you know in tampa we had a lot of dirt parking lots is essentially what we were working with. It was actually in downtown, but as you know, the Water Street project is removed from the central business district by the Selman Expressway, but it had the arena. It was close to the port. You have to take sort of the attributes of what you're working with. And then, like I said, look at where the opportunities are. In Water Street, we believed ultimately to our core that there was a significant pent-up demand for multifamily. And really at that time in Tampa, there was a there was no urban example of a truly walkable, retail-rich, you know, mix of uses environment. And in Jacksonville, it's the same deal. I mean, it's you know, it's that all the data would point to pent-up demand for multifamily and really, you know, evidenced by some of the multifamily buildings that have been built downtown or around downtown that get pretty good rents, really, especially the well-designed units in those buildings get great rents. So we know multifamily demand exists, but where you can take it to the next level is really when you start to bring in the other mix of uses, a good pedestrian environment and public spaces and ultimately retail. So one of the stories of Jacksonville development that that I hear a lot is this idea that basically it takes people from outside the area, that people who've been here who have maybe been fighting for years to redevelop downtown, they get cynical. As you embark on this project, and from people I've talked to in Tampa, there was some of that there as well, that, yeah, yeah, how can this work? How do you overcome that type of cynicism here and as you've done stuff throughout your career? You know, that's a really good point. I would say just to the comment that you made about others from outside of the market, maybe being less cynical, I guess, about the possibilities that we have in, in downtown Jax is uh, is on the retail side. So our retail broker, Colliers and Matt Clark and his team of the urban division, they're talking to retailers everywhere, local and regional and a couple of national groups. And it's really interesting, especially the groups that, you know, by the way, really want to be in Tampa or know Water Street really well. They've seen it play out in a number of other markets, especially Sunbelt markets. So you don't really have to convince them, you know, I mean, it's the story is there. We feel like we've got a great team, a great plan. And when I say team, it's everyone, internal team, groups of consultants that have helped really make this happen, you know, and they're nationally known. So you put all that together and retailers, they want to see the data, obviously, but once you provide that to them, it doesn't take too long for the groups that have seen this play out before to really get on board with the idea. From a retail perspective, you know, I think the local groups will probably start to come around when there are shovels in the ground. And frankly, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I think that goes for everyone. Probably that's a little uh, suspicious or cynical about what we're doing. Everyone told me when I first moved to Jack's that it's a city of renderings. 
And, <laughs> uh, and it, it's, and I get it now. I understand why after being around and hearing all the stories of years and years of promises made and some promises not kept. And a lot of that's timing. Some of the projects that probably were real that didn't happen, you know, were just had really bad timing as it, as it pertains to the national economy and, and others had other reasons. But what I can say and what I can lean on is that I've done it before. And mm-hmm. when I came on board, brought on other groups of team members, both on my team and again, sort of external consultants or contractors that have done it before. I do believe that people will start to believe us when we put shovels in the ground, which will be soon enough. But if there's one thing that I can lean on and attempt to convince people, it's my background and and my team's background. You're also helped by the local partners you have in this, JWB and DOP Capital, which bring both a, look, here's stuff we've done. You know, the the work has been done downtown. A lot of it has JWB's name on it. And DOP Capital means that you're coming into this in a capitalized way, which lets you sidestep some of the challenges that you might have from the market cycle. That said, what challenges are you concerned about? As you as you look ahead, you know, you're you're already going through the process of getting site plans approved and getting through all of the, the government rigmarole, but what challenges do you foresee on the horizon? Well, since you brought it up, I do want to just say that having this equity fund behind us is a real advantage. A lot of the projects that have not happened downtown, again, a lot of it was potentially bad timing, but a lot of those are done by you know developers or, or landowners that are syndicating deals so they'll or merchant builder kind of gets brought up sometimes there's absolutely nothing wrong with that that you know that that happens everywhere and a lot of times it's successful but that you get a project you know approved teed up designed or through part of design then you go and look for equity and debt at the same time and not always are you able to match those things up and we are so that's um that definitely puts us at an advantage To answer your question, one of the things that we just can't control are more sort of global or national economic forces. It's unfortunate, but it's, it is what it is. And thankfully it seems like, and again, you know, knock on wood, but it seems like the macroeconomic forces, if you want to call them that are tilting maybe back toward normal and we'll see what it looks like inflation is under control and trending a little bit lower, which will give the fed you know, more maneuvering power, I think, to bring rates down eventually, which impacts the lending market. So ultimately, that if there is a challenge, I think right now, it's just that the debt markets are still challenging. And we do anticipate looking for construction financing on our projects. That said, again, we've got a lot of things going for us that make us a little bit more unique than other potential sponsors looking for construction financing and that we have very solid sponsors in JWB and DLP Capital, who them they themselves have very storied backgrounds and and very successful developments and proven track records. So I believe we'll be able to navigate the debt markets pretty well, relatively speaking, compared to others. So I would say that's probably a challenge. You brought up, you know, cynicism, and I'll say that I think that is it is a challenge. I mean, honestly, I know when I wake up every day, that type of cynicism really motivates me, though. I mean, I, you know, it's in a positive way. I know, like, when that cynicism is made, it's not made in a bad place. It's, you know, I, I think everyone that I've talked to that questions what we're doing, you know, that I think most people are champions of downtown or want to see something happen. So I think it really comes from a positive place. But 
But that's important. I think getting the city citizens to continue to support downtown and what we're doing is really important. So I think it's a challenge, but that's definitely one that we can also overcome. We're in this moment right now. I'll say this is also kind of a challenge. This is more of like an internal team challenge. It's just we're in this moment where we had a ton of momentum, but we're heads down working on getting our permit drawings done and we had our launch, we had you know this great period where we were getting things approved by the city and now we're really in, you know, I guess the sausage making part right now where we're designing these buildings. We just submitted our first permit, which is for the civil work on our first building. We're making a ton of momentum and we'll hopefully have some larger retail news to share this year and uh, eventually groundbreaking. So I'm excited about that. Brian Mall joining us. Next, he shares why getting phase one right is so important as Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, working with businesses across Florida to lower energy usage and costs with efficient natural gas. Get cash back energy conservation rebates when you install new natural gas equipment. Learn more at peoplesgas.com slash bizrebates. So last time we talked, you talked about how important it was to get the Pearl Street District right. So for listeners not familiar with this, I kind of conflate Gateway Jackson, Pearl Street District. I think I use them interchangeably sometimes, but I shouldn't. But Pearl Street District is a $500 million project that is the first phase of what could be a $2 billion mega project. So you talked about how important it was to get that first phase right, in part to you know have the momentum going into the other phases. What does get it right mean? You know, I think get it right means doing what we say we're going to do. I think that's really important. And that means designing these buildings, getting them in for permitting and starting them, you know, when we say we're going to start them. Now, things happen, as we all know, but it's really important to be able to build trust really with everyone, but with the city, with citizens, with retailers, the general public. That trust is something that it's really important. I mean, it's one of the core pillars of, of our organization. If people can't trust what we say we're going to do, then what do we have? And so that's what I say when we've got to get phase one right. It means we actually need to do what we're going to say and, and build this thing. Now, it means a lot more than that, too. I mean, it you know it means everything from like getting the paver selections correct, you know, to to making sure that we get the right retail mix and the right key retail anchors in the project and everything in between. So that's really what I mean. And it doesn't mean that we've got our blinders on. We can't do or think about other things, but we need to do what we say we're going to do so that we can build trust. Funny, as you lay out that list, it's that same blend of things of the planner side of you looking at pavers and going, okay, yeah, which ones do we want? And then the building trust with the city council or city leaders who obviously weigh in on these type of projects and all of those things in between, how it really is a, a blend of things. Talk to me about downtown Jacksonville more broadly. So I've used the term catalyst or transformational a couple of times. Clearly, you moved here because you're bullish on the area. You you, know, you think that this is that downtown Jacksonville is able to live up to its potential. As you look around the urban core, what else do you think is needed to get Jacksonville to where you think it can be? 
So one of the things that really attracted me to the opportunity was both the public and private investment that is going into downtown. At a high level, that's you know eight billion dollars according to the Downtown Visions you know latest report. A good chunk of that is public investment, but there's you know most of it is private investment. For us to be successful, we need to do our project right. I think if nothing else happened what we do will be successful and transformative for downtown, especially that neighbor, that part of, of downtown and the central business district, the core of downtown urban core. Progressing through things like Riverfront Park, uh, Riverside Plaza, having projects like the Whole Foods in Brooklyn, what the Jaguars are doing the Four Seasons, eventually when they're able to work things out uh, with the city on the stadium and the entertainment district. And then you have probably four large developments downtown. You, I mentioned a couple of them, but you have what Carter is doing on Fort On Bay that's really important. All of the Laura Street Trio site, which you know, I really do feel pretty passionately that something needs to happen there. I don't really want to like wade into the politics of that, but um, I, I, but, I was about to ask, but I didn't see my <laughs> question you were going to answer. Quickly, I'll finish the thought really quickly. And then having a really great waterfront, civic-based waterfront that has a good trail system. I think all those really have to come together. If and when all of that comes together, Jacksonville will be unrecognizable. It will be just a totally different city because all of that happening then also spurs additional investment. And, you know, even the 20-unit building that gets built kind of on an infill site, then that starts to make sense because additional capital and debt then believes that that can be financially feasible and and so on and so forth. So not all of the $8 billion, I shouldn't say that. I think you know a large chunk of it will. There is a possibility that not all $8 billion of the projects that are planned and proposed will happen. But even just if a part of that happens, it will create this um, virtuous cycle, in my opinion, where you start to see institutional investment come into downtown and that will change things. To your question, I'll step back and just say that incentives in downtown are very important. I mean, we worked with the city for months and hopefully we've demonstrated to everyone, but for the listeners here that that especially with the way that we structured it, we'll be providing the city at least a one-for-one -one return on their investment. We don't get a single dollar until the buildings are actually built and we do what we said we were going to do. And then those buildings get on the tax rolls and generate a lot of taxes. And then the incentives are based on that stream of tax revenue that we're paying. It's a great system that's in place now. And I do believe, especially right now and early on in downtown's investment cycle, that you need incentives to be able to help incentivize equity and debt for that matter to come into an area. I do believe that incentives are, are important. I believe that the in the case of Lower Street Trio, the historic fabric is of those buildings is also really important. And there's a balance that's happening right now where, you know, it costs more to build and renovate around and in existing historic structures. But that's so important to do if we're really to preserve the you know, the culture and the history of, of downtown, then we have to preserve buildings like that, in my opinion. And then I'll let the uh, the details of, of that deal anyway, um, leave that to the to DIA and city council. But the people who deal with the politics, way yeah. politics. <laughs> so as we wrap up, and you, you kind of nodded to this in one of your earlier questions, but one of the things that I'm taking about with the 
Pearl Street District and the Gateway Jacks project in general is that idea that Pearl Street's phase one, you're looking at at multiple phases and you're you start having people who are looking at areas around where you are, which means that there is a, a flywheel effect. So as you look down the road, five years, 10 years, pick a time frame, what do you actually think downtown Jacksonville will look like? I looked at Tampa, frankly, as a good example of what it could look like. And Jacksonville is not Tampa, that's for sure. So, and I've, I've always tried to make that clear when I when I do reference Tampa. But if you take sort of the specifics away for of Tam- downtown Tampa as an example, what Water Street demonstrated was that, you know, a high quality project with good public spaces, good retail, mix of uses, hotels, office, lots of residential. What that demonstrated is that there was indeed a market for that product. And what we've seen now is a number of other buildings in downtown Tampa, you know, with some institutional money and sort of traditional bank debt and others that have now come in and capitalized dozens of projects. And that I think would happen and will happen in downtown where, I mean, if you look at the DBI or the DIA's plan and proposed map, there are a lot of projects that could get going, you know, within the next five to 10 years. And then what that means really from a look and feel standpoint is, you know, vibrant gets overused, but it is a good word because it, it does mean that there is life on the streets again. There are people, people that want to be downtown, people that want to go back to work downtown, that you have lots of great retail, both locally and regional groups coming in to open up and renovate existing building storefronts. And it will totally change the way that downtown looks, yes, but also feels from an individual and pedestrian standpoint. Well, I do appreciate, again, you taking the time to, uh, to talk to me today. It, uh, it's, it's fun to, to cover this type of development and you know see where downtown Jacksonville is going. So great. it was great to, to get your thoughts on how it's all coming together. Great. Yeah, happy to be with you. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy.